What's up, everybody? My name is Mike. I'm the host of America's Hometown Horror Podcast, and tonight's episode is yet again brought to you by our friends over at Shine Through Window Cleaning. Shine Through Window Cleaning is a family-owned and operated company proudly serving Plymouth and the surrounding area. They treat your home or business like they would treat their own and believe in building their reputation on every job they do. Get in touch with Shine Through today to discuss your window cleaning, gutter cleaning, and power washing needs at 781-812-9189. That's 781-812-9189 or at shinethroughinc.net. That's shine, T-H-R-U, inc.net. Shine through window cleaning. All right, here we go, everybody. So, uh, you know, quarantine times call for unprecedented and crazy shit. So uh, here we are on our first Zoom recording uh, to, you know, just as an alternative way to get out there and record some content and bring in some guest speakers since everybody is kind of holed up in their house or their apartment or wherever due to this COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic, whatever you want to call it. Uh, But joined as always by my co-host, my lovely co-host, Kat. What's up? How are you? Hey! And now you can actually see us for once, which is actually pretty funny. So in case you ever wanted to put a face to the names... Uh, and we are also joined by a very special guest tonight, our buddy Matt. What's up, man? How are you? How's it going? Uh, so Matt, and we're so happy to have you. So Matt actually is going to bring us a pretty unique perspective on uh, something that I've been itching to talk about for a while when I found out that he was available to come on and do this. So I was pretty excited. Uh, obviously, one of the things that we you know, have wanted to kind of do our podcast about in addition to movies and TV books, uh, paranormal stuff. Obviously there's a haunted attractions, uh, interest here. And Matt actually has some pretty unique experience working for Walt Disney world. Uh, so if I have it correctly, cause I looked at your, uh, LinkedIn before, so your current title, right, is a figure finisher and scenic artist. Is that the technical title for what you do? That is correct. Yep. Okay. That's awesome. So, and obviously it's a pretty, pretty unique job, uh, pretty cool job. I know that you've been doing it for a while. So why don't you just give it a little, leave us a little bit of an introduction about, you know, how you came to work for Disney, some of the things that you've done there, uh, and I guess, you know, whatever else you want to share. Okay. Yeah, I, uh. I'm originally from East Bridgewater, Massachusetts, and I got my degree in sculpture at uh, Massachusetts College of Art in Boston, and always had the dream of moving down to Florida and working at Disney as an artist. Um, You know, of course, there's different types of art for Disney. You could be an animator for the movies. You could be um, an Imagineer that designs the attractions um, or an art director, Uh, and currently the role that I have and I have had for the last two or three years is a figure finisher or a, uh, a faux finisher, uh, scenic artist for the parks. And that job has allowed me to get basically in the park late at night uh, when the, the, the rides are shut down, the park's closed out, all the people go home. You know, we all come in at 11 p.m. at night. We work overnight graveyard shifts till 7.30 in the morning, uh, taking care of the attractions. So my job would entail, you know, I mostly my attractions over the last couple of years, because I worked at Epcot, I worked at Magic Kingdom. Um, the ones I really focused on to take care of were It's a Small World, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, 
um, the Little Mermaid ride over in Fantasyland, the, uh, what is it, the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, which is one of their newer attractions. It's a roller coaster. Um, and then over at Epcot, I did more uh, scenic finishes around World Showcase, so faux marble, faux brick, faux wood um, in the different countries, but also worked in the uh, Frozen attraction over there, um, the Mexico attraction with the Three Caballeros, uh, nice. the Imagination with Figment. Oh, I love Figment! <laughs> the Steeds with Nemo, and uh, oh, nice. there you go. Uh, what, what's the American Adventure with uh, Mark Twain and Ben Franklin. So, you know, this job has really allowed me to move not only between rides, but between parks where I can, um, you know, just kind of dip my hand in, in different types of artistry and really types of work that you, you really can't get trained in in school. You really have to get in there, like at Haunted Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, where can you go where they can train you how to repair and paint a butyrate or hot melt skin on animatronics? It's kind of like a lost art uh, of the 70s. I mean, Newer figures are silicone, but the old ones are still around too. And those are the pirates and the uh, Haunted Mansion figures. And they are still that kind of antiquated um, hot melt skin, which is super toxic to breathe in. Um, so you need to know, you know, how to work with it, how to paint it, how to repair it. Because these figures move around all day long for hours and hours, and then they shut down. And then they're expected to reopen the next day in perfect condition. So that's where we come in to just kind of work our magic and uh, – it's it's a lot of fun. It's a really good job. How do they keep track of how they need to be touched up? Like, will someone ride through it once a day and say, this thing needs to be touched up over here? Yep, yep. You'll have uh, managers, uh, cast members or managers um, go on the ride every morning when it opens up and every night when it closes down. And they review, you know, they, they, they look for things that look out of place. It might be a torn skin on a figure. It might be a, a wig that's misplaced. It might be uh, an issue with costuming where something's fallen off or you could see a, a zipper that's visible that shouldn't be there. Um, and those are like the, the three core departments that will show up overnight is artist prep, which is my group, uh, costuming and hairdressing. So th those three crews work together to make every single figure, you know, the thousands of figures that are all over the parks, if you're including every single one, like it's a small world. Uh, to, to make sure every single figure looks in tip-top condition. And then that's in addition to mechanics, uh, ride, ride show techs, electricians, carpenters, who are also working to make the figures look great, but the sets and props also look perfect every single day. So uh, based off of the feedback we get from cast or managers, uh, that's what we work off of. And we get, we get work orders, we get um, what's priority, what's not priority. And then we are that ride opens the next morning, no matter what. So it's kind of like you jump on it, you know, knock out what you can on the list and then wait for the next type night to, to start over again. So insane to think about all the work that just goes into maintaining a place like that. Things that you don't even think about. Cause obviously when you go there, you know, it's meant to almost kind of be like a show from the second you walk onto the property until the second you leave and go back to the hotel. So it's just crazy to think of all the behind the scenes stuff that happens that people just have to do that you, you never even think about. So it's interesting to hear like how all that, you know, comes in, comes into play. Yeah. It's, it's funny because you think when everyone goes home, everything shuts down, but it, it's still pretty lively. I mean, it can be quiet here and there, you know, but, but there are cars moving around, there's trucks moving around, there's high reaches that come in. Um, there are nightly crews that are just working on cement or, or painting buildings or, um, you know, like I said, doing carpentry or electrician work that, 
they just could not do with guests, guests in the picture. So they really maximize that time immediately when those people, when the last guest leaves the park, there's a loudspeaker that announces over every cell phone and every um, radio format that, that the park is clear and everyone, the gate, the gates open and all of, from every angle of the park, trucks start rolling through the park. Custodial comes out, they start cleaning as well. And that's when the real magic starts. Has, has there ever been like <laughs> someone who's hidden in the park that like wasn't found? Actually, I was going to talk about that. Cause we, you know, leading up to this chat we're having, I was thinking about, you know, what spooky things have happened in the park. Uh, and, you know, when I was a kid, I, I thought I would, you know, I love Disney so much. I've already always been a big Disney nerd. And I thought if I could hide in the park somewhere, where would it be? Right. Yeah. Where would I successfully pull it off? And I figured that it would be Tom Sawyer Island over in Frontierland. Cause that is not only do I love Tom Sawyer Island because it's, it's such a unique attraction because it's not a roller coaster. It's not a show. You literally just take a raft to an island and walk around. Uh, but as a little kid, uh, or even as an adult, <laughs> I, I just love, I love walking around, um, the fort, you know, Fort Lang, Langhorn has the, the guns you can shoot across the way towards uh, big thunder mountain or haunted mansion on the other side. So you get a great view of the park and it's a super cool area. They have caves you can walk through that are kind of sketchy. Uh, and maybe, you know, they have, they have animatronics that are actually in the fort towards the back. A lot of people don't know that there's, um, like prospector Joe or that, you know, there's some kind of like Frontierland-esque um, animatronics in the fort that also need to be taken care of. Um, but anyways, when I was a kid, I thought the best place to hide and successfully stay over in Magic Kingdom would be the island because it's, it closes at dusk and then the rest of the park continues as normal until park close. Um, and I thought me and my brother would do that. We never attempted it. We know we, <laughs> always, had, we always had to go back to our hotel or our campsite at Fort Wilderness. Uh, but I looked, you know, as I got more and more into Disney history, the good and the bad, I found out that two brothers decided to do that back in the seventies. Um, they stayed over on Tom Sawyer Island. They successfully stayed on the Island past dusk. They hung around the Island for several hours. Um, their goal was to walk around the park and see it, um, from a different, different vantage point at nighttime. Um, I don't know if they were local kids. They might've been local because you'd, you'd wonder like, wouldn't parents know right. uh, if their kids weren't in the hotel room? Right. Yeah. Um, and some I was going to say, that would be the first thing I would think of. That's either some extremely bad parenting or maybe they went out to dinner and had a few too many cocktails and forgot about them. I don't know. Yeah. But some parents, I don't know if this is as much a thing nowadays, but from what I was reading about that story, parents would just drop their kids off at the Magic Kingdom and go on their day. And it was kind of like if you had a, a pass to get your kid in, an annual pass, uh, it was like free babysitting. You just drop your kid off. He can go around the park. He has maybe give him some money. He can get a, a hot dog or something and then just, you know, have a great day at the parks, pick him up later on. I think Disney doesn't want people to do that. No, but, <laughs> I yeah. couldn't imagine they would. <laughs> I can imagine yeah. why. Yeah. Yeah. But these, these two kids successfully slept over, uh, you know, I believe they, they do come through on the Island at dusk with dogs to search and make sure every single person's off the Island. And they do that later on in the main park too. But these two boys successfully stayed over and they were on the Island for a few hours. As you can imagine, they got kind of stir crazy. They got a little bored. They wanted to see the rest of the park. So the two of them swam across the river um, to what is now Big Thunder Mountain. Back then in the 70s, Big Thunder Mountain wasn't there until 1980. Um, but there was basically a large field that was over where Splash Mountain is now as well. That also wasn't there. 
Um, and one of the brothers made it across, the other one drowned and died. Yeah, I thought I thought that might be the story you're going to tell. I was I came across that in my research for this episode. That's yeah. a crazy story. The, the one brother that did survive tried his hardest to save the boy that sank into the water because he could not swim well. Uh, uh, and the local workers were alerted and they tried to get help and it was too late. And that that was his demise was um was was in the the rivers of America as they call it. So oh jeez, yeah, pretty pretty dark stuff, but. I remember wanting to do that when I was a kid and then reading about that story later on and being like, okay, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe not worth it. <laughs> yeah. But you know, kind of a, kind of a spooky story. Cause you can imagine the yeah. excitement, excite, excitement behind it. And then the sad ending, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. So I would have to imagine being in the park. I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of people that are in there kind of moving around, getting stuff yeah. done, but I, I would imagine there may not be a much creepier place to be after hours than uh, it's a small world with all those, you know, animatronic dead eyes looking at you, you know, watching, uh, you know, in the middle of the night. Yeah. So that's, it must be a creepy feeling sometimes to be among all of those, uh, you know, those still figures, I guess, if you will. So what, what was it like working in those attractions after hours? Um, well, the good news is they don't have the It's a Small World song playing after the ride closes. They oh, thank <laughs> God. <laughs> they turn the music off, which is good. But you are surrounded by uh, hundreds of figures just kind of sitting there, you know, eyes open, uh, staring at you. And it's very quiet in the attraction. Really, it's just you and maybe the mechanics moving around. But a lot of times it's just you, you know, and maybe for hours, um, you know, in a ride like Pirates of the Caribbean it's it's pretty much a maze behind the scenes and it, it is in the other attractions too but at pirates you know you're the whole attraction is kind of u-shaped so there's there's all these sets that are back to back with other sets you wouldn't even know like the the, the city that's on fire the burning yep. city at the end is back to back with the the well scene in the beginning of the ride where they're dunking the mayor and then you see nowadays you see captain jack for the first time um but between those sets, which are so close together, are all these hidden passageways and staircases. And, um, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll exit through one staircase and pop open and, and you'll be surrounded by animatronics in the well scene. You'll go back down the stairs around the corner and then you're, um, you know, you're in the scene with the, the auction scene. Um, so it's, it can be spooky because you're moving around a place that's darkly lit. There's not a lot of people. Um, but there's a lot of animatronics and they're, none of them are moving and they're, they're all, you know, so when, when you turn the corner, so you, weird, it's still a human size character or person or figure. So oh, it, God, I wouldn't it, be able to do that. <laughs> even, though you, even though you know, you're alone, you can't help but be spooked by these so figures all around you. At least with small world, they're small enough. You're like, okay, I got this. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but at, at Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, mostly that ride you were just there's so many sets where you're surrounded by dozens of figures uh and and sometimes you're you're not really expecting it you know yeah. and every now every now and then hydraulic fluid that's inside the figure will um maybe not all the hydraulic fluid is used so like- and then you'll have a hand flick or you'll have a head turn or you're oh, having so flick. weird that's you'll so creepy an, an eye blink you know and you'll be working on a figure and it'll blink it's <laughs> it'll blink it's oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, so it can be really spooky, especially even if you know that going into it, 
Uh, I can already I can already feel Cat having nightmares right now. Especially like three o'clock in the morning, you know, you're like half awake. Yeah. And it, yeah, it just it's very it gets very spooky. So obviously you're a huge Disney fan and I I'm a I'm a fan of Disney and Universal and the feed park industry as a whole. Have you found that working behind the scenes at the park has kind of uh, diminished your fandom at all now that you know exactly, you know, what's behind all the quote unquote magic or are you still as big of a fan as ever? I've heard people describe it as like visiting the parks as a guest is like having a beautiful flower. And then when you take a flower and you start like pulling the, pulling the petals off and dissecting it and taking the leaves off and opening it up, you can never put it back together again. You know what I mean? Like once you've seen the backstage, it's never possible to read. Toothpaste can't go back in the tube. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So in some ways, you know more about what's behind the scenes and, and, and how to uh, make the magic, you know, real. real. It's kind of like a, a magician with his magic tricks. Once you know the trick, you know the trick and you can't unsee it. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I still love going to the parks, especially with people who have never been. I still love that illusion of... Um, you know, what the animatronics are or the special effects in, in rides and shows, I still appreciate and value what the parks can give people. And despite knowing behind the scenes stuff, I still get a kick out of it. Um, so you mentioned before that, all right, so you've worked on It's a Small World, you've worked on Pirates of the Caribbean. So yeah. let's talk about some of the rumors of some of the creepy things that, are, that go on behind the scenes or after hours at those attractions. So the first one, obviously, since we were just talking about It's a Small World, did somebody really hang themselves in its small world? Have you heard that rumor before or seen that alleged photograph of the person that uh, hung themselves in its small world? Which room did they hang themselves? I haven't heard that one. No, so there's a, there's a viral photo going around. If you Google it, I, I, it shows allegedly somebody hanging like from the rafters if it's a small world, like a cast yeah. member or something like that. Uh, let me see if I can find anything. No, right that here. was the Wizard of Oz. That was not... It's a small world. No. No, it, there's, there's, it's a small world, too. Really? Because I have heard yeah. Wizard of Oz. I have heard that one. Yeah. Yeah, Wizard of Oz, that one I've heard, but it's definitely for It's a Small World, too. I'll, if I find the photo, I'll, I'll, I'll send it over to you, and I'll yeah, post definitely. it in the, in the show description, too. Um, I, I have not heard of that. Uh, okay. I'm trying to think. I do have a few that I was going to talk about, and I'm curious to see what, you know, what details you bring out and if they match mine. Yeah. So the other one that I was going to bring up to you uh, for Pirates of the Caribbean, which is this this ghost of George. I'm sure you've probably heard of that one. Definitely heard about it a couple times from different people mm -hmm. over the years. Okay. Uh, people, well, what do you know, first of all? What, what have you heard? So from what I, what I was able to find and read about, I read quite a bit on a lot of this stuff. Um, so basically the story goes something like that there was uh there was somebody in the early 70s when the you know the pirates of the caribbean was first under construction a welder or something along he he died somehow uh either by being crushed by a falling beam other people say that he fell from the uh burning city set and uh ever since the ride has kind of been haunted by this ghost people hear footsteps behind the scenes when nobody else around there's phone calls from the control room uh, occasionally, occasionally they see like a full body apparition and the obviously the ur the urban legend is that the operators of the ride at the beginning of the day and the end of the day have to say hello or goodbye to the spirit otherwise the ride will malfunction yeah everything you're saying is what i've heard so you're you have good sources <laughs> uh from what i know um when when magic kingdom opened in 1971 they did not open with 
um, Pirates of the Caribbean. And the reasoning was they thought that um, people that are in the Florida area wouldn't want to have a ride about the Caribbean. It's too, it's too close to Florida. It's not interesting enough. So they were going to open a ride called um, the Western River Expedition or Expansion. And it was going to be a Pirates-like ride, but it was going to be over in Frontierland on a boat ride with cowboys on both sides of your ride. Um, but there was such, there was so much uh, upset from guests that the Pirates of the Caribbean ride was not at Magic Kingdom when it first opened that they rushed to get that ride done. And it opened in December of 73, uh, I'm pretty sure. And I know when they built the ride, they did have someone named George who was working on the set. From what I heard, he was a welder. And it was in the construction of the ride. He was in the burning city scene towards the end of the ride um, on a tall ladder to your right when you first enter that scene. Um, most of the focus of that scene is to your left where the pirates are singing. Everyone's drunk. There's lots of flames. Uh, now you smell a smoke smell. They add that to the ride recently. Um, but to the right, there's really nothing going on. It's a dark, shadowy area. I think you do see a guy with some pigs later on in the mud, but up to your right, there's a tall tower and the cast members have called that George's tower. Cause that's the tower that allegedly he fell from on a ladder while working up high, fell to his death. Um, and additionally, I have heard from mechanics that work the ride, ride and show techs, and also cast members over the years say that lights will randomly turn on or turn off or, You'll feel someone watching you and there's no one there. Or they'll see an asp, you know, like some type of ghostly figure uh, move on the screen um, in the control booth, but it won't be visible to anyone in person, you know? So they, they have no explanation for these things. Uh, and additionally, they do start every morning saying, good morning, George. And they finish every night saying, good night, George. Because if they don't do that, typically bad stuff happens. You know, I don't think he's an evil spirit, but I do think that he is always listening and, and aware. And maybe that's his final resting place is that attraction and maybe more specifically that room. So it's, it's interesting to think about, um, you know, 50 years later, we're still saying good morning, George, and good night, George. And he's still, uh, he's still, we're still talking about him now. So there's definitely something there, I think. Mm, that's wacky. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it's, it's just it's funny to hear that the rumors are true that that actually still does happen. But hey, you know, superstition's a hell of a thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, if I was going to be working behind the scenes back there, I would definitely say hey and uh, goodbye because I wouldn't want to be, you know, any more creeped out than I probably already would be because you don't know, you, say that you have the feeling of being watched. You don't know if it's one of the dozens or hundreds of animatronics that are in there or if it's a ghost. It's kind of creepy. Yeah, but I can definitely pinpoint that spot is the. When you're in that fire, that fiery room, that fiery scene, the, the town burning down, to your left is three musicians, musicians singing, and to your right is a tall tower, pretty much in the dark. And if you look close enough, you'll see it, and that that's the place where it happened. So be on the lookout for that next time you're on the ride. Okay. Will do. Yeah. Any other interesting stories about uh, Pirates of the Caribbean? I had a couple more I want to run through you, but I just didn't know if you had anything else. Um, let me think. There's, there's a hangman's noose in the first scene that a lot of people don't see. Okay. Uh, when you go past the ship on your left, you kind of take a really sharp ride. You're, you know, they call that, um, I think they call that moonlit bay. It's where all the cannons are shooting at your boat. And as you pass to the right, that's where they're dunking the mayor in the well, where all your attention is to the right towards that scene. 
there's a lot of animatronics there and there's literally nothing going on to your left but to your left if you look up part of the castle that's right next to you is a hanging noose which a lot of people don't see but it's still there now and uh, it's kind of in the shadows a bit, but if you look if you look up to your left, you'll see it, and it's it's kind of a neat Easter egg, uh, kind of creepy, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's wicked creepy. Yep. Yeah. When's the last time you've been to Disney World? Um. Well, we went to Universal. Besides that, high when I was in high school, I think junior in high school. Yeah, I think last time I was there, I think it was in like two thousand six or seven. It was a long time ago. I know they've changed a lot of stuff since I've been. Yeah. Uh, I don't know when we'll get back. I, w- I would love to go. I'm just, I'm just trying to like, you know, picture all this stuff in my mind, not having been there in a while, but I'm definitely going to have to go back to this and re-listen if we, uh, whenever we get back there. Yeah. And in, in, in 2006, they added uh, the Johnny Depp, Captain Jack figures. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they added three, three of them, one to the well scene, one to the scene with the pirate with the map looking for the gold. He's in, right in the middle of the ride. And then the very last scene, you see uh, the Johnny Depp character, the Captain Jack again in the treasure room, which used to be a bunch of pirates shooting guns. Now it's just Captain Jack and a parrot surrounded by gold. And, uh, you know, that's the, the big finale. But um, yeah, those, it, those I remember, those were there last time I was there and I, I went on that ride. So yeah, those are pretty impressive animatronics to be honest. Yep. Yep. And those newer animatronics, the, the Captain Jack ones, those are silicone figures. So they are like, high-tech figures with really high-tech, you know, silicone skin. They're like top-of-the-notch animatronics that uh, surrounded by them are a lot of older figures, like I said, from the 70s with kind of like 1960s technology that, you know, I mean, it it costs a lot of money to redo every single figure. And there are 78 figures in that ride. So I think they uh, maybe over over time they'll, they'll transition them to silicone. But people love that ride so much that they don't want to take it down, you know, close right. it up. So kind of like Haunted Mansion, if that ride goes down for a few days, people freak out because they, they come to the park to see that ride, you know, so. The they, perfect they, transition. That's actually one of the ones I wanted to talk about next. Uh-huh. Uh, did you say at one point uh, that, you, that you had worked on this before? I, I, I think, I know you mentioned Small World and, uh, and Pirates of the Caribbean, but I thought you mentioned this one before. Might have yep. been when we talked another time. Because obviously there's a, there's a few different rumors about the Haunted Mansion as well. So I'd be interested to hear if what I've heard matches up with what you've heard as well. Yeah. So a couple things that I have heard, three different things that I've heard about uh, the Haunted Mansion. First one is about a man with a cane uh, apparition. Have you heard about this one before? No. So basically with this one, uh, there have been a bunch of cast members who have reported, you know, they've been working alone at night, kind of doing the same thing that you do. And they've seen, uh, you know, like an, an older man with a cane that rides the attraction uh, after hours. And when they speak to him, he doesn't respond. He disappears. Wow. And, you know, basically people have been trying to wonder who it is. There's a couple of rumors. Basically, so the, the rumor is that he's the ghost of a pilot who died when his plane crashed into Bay Lake uh, back in the 1940s. Or what's wow. what was known as Bay Lake uh, later on in time. So. Uh, that's one particular rumor related to that attraction. And then the other one that's kind of famous now is there was a photo that popped up in some forums back in 2004 of a uh, photo of a boy who was photographed in one of the doom buggies. Have you heard about this one? I have heard about that. Yeah. I don't know a lot of details about it, but you said, where where was the picture taken? So basically it's a guy that he took a photo. It's, I think it's night vision and he kind of just, he took a photo with, you know, no touching or anything like that. It basically, it, it 
capture the doom buggy in front of him. And it looks like there's a child like poking his head out of uh, the vehicle in front of them. Yeah. And, you know, I guess he, he claims that it was never Photoshopped or anything like that. And it was authentic. It was just kind of kind of captured. And that, that's what that's what he saw. So obviously you can kind of speculate as to whether or not that's true uh, or not. Yeah. But, you know, it'd be interesting to hear what, uh, you know, what Disney employees say about the Honda, you know, the Honda Mansion, obviously being, you know, one of their most famous attractions. And there's a lot of history there. So it'd be interesting to hear if there's anything else that uh, people say about about that place. Yeah, I have heard a lot of. Um, you know, obviously the whole concept is that it's haunted, but I have heard that in real life, it really is haunted. Uh, a few cast members have talked to me about similar to Pirates of the Caribbean lights will turn on, lights will turn off, um, animation, you know, the figures they'll be turned off. They'll be locked out, tagged out. So they can't turn on, but things will randomly turn on for no, for no specific reason. And, uh, but one, one thing I can definitely confirm that I think is creepy and spooky is that in modern day, like in recent years, it's become a fad where people will go on the ride because they love it. And with them, they'll bring the ashes of their loved one. I had this in here in my notes as well. Yep. Keep going. I'm interested to hear what you have to say on this. <laughs> they, will, they, will, they will ride the ride just like anyone else. But as they're going through the attraction, they just sprinkle the ashes of their loved ones. Oh, why? In the ride track on the on the sets on the figures you know and it happens a lot it happened i was gonna say that this this seems like from everything that i looked up that this is a real problem for disney like they actually have some procedures in place to be able to try and detect when people are doing this and to try and prevent it obviously because that, that's a that's a that's a problem <laughs> yeah because they, they literally have to get custodial out they have to shut the ride down it you know it, it's human remains so it's like a biohazard issue so they have to go through and vacuum up and clean up and sweep up uh, even the sets and the figures sometimes um, the the remains of of these people that have been spread through the through the attraction because and, and people keep doing it because they think that this is the right thing to do like grandma should be at the haunted mansion with all these Why? <laughs> say cat I can feel the anxiety coming off of you right now <laughs> Why? Why? hey people people love Disney yeah. So uh, I, I don't think yeah. it's that far fetched to think that some of these people would want to do this. Yeah, but if if they only knew that that they're going to get vacuumed up a few minutes later, you know what I mean? Like because yeah. they they do they do have cameras uh, throughout the ride. They do have sensors on on the ride track, you know, and they know if something's going on and they can see exactly what people. If, if you're with your you know your canister or whatnot, shaking it all over the ride. They could see it and, and immediately shut the ride down and clean it up. So it's not going to last very long, especially oh. like with how, how often people are in there to clean and, and take care of the ride. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's all the dust that you see in that attraction is there for a reason. It's, it's specifically supposed to look dusty and old and all that. Um, how often does that happen though? What's that? The, the like bringing axes onto a ride, like in general, in the whole park, like everywhere. Uh, from I hear Honda Mansion, it happens quite a bit, maybe I don't know, once a month or... Really? Yeah. I mean, I guess there's a lot of people that go through that ride, like, per day. I mean, so once a month probably isn't that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe more frequently. I guess it depends. But um, I don't know if they do that in other attractions. I've never heard that. I've just heard specifically Haunted Mansion is popular for for spreading ashes because they figure that this is where ghosts are supposed to be at... You know, I'm going to, maybe my, my grandma or my aunt or my mom really love this ride. They love Disney and this is where they should stay. But it's, it's pretty gross when you think about it. Yeah, it's really gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. 
So the last thing that I, I had kind of seen, uh, you know, on a few different sites was that in the haunted mansion that supposedly the seance book was a, uh, originally a real 14th century book of witchcraft. Really? Yeah. You ever heard anything like that or come across oh. that room before? No, that that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I mean, a, a lot of this, you know, there's articles out there that I researched. If you just Google ghost stories, Disney, they'll pop up. You can, you can find some of them. There's a lot of them out there. And obviously you just have to, you know, kind of take a lot of them with a grain of salt, or, you know, which ones are true or, you know, true allegedly, yeah. uh, or which ones are completely fabricated. But that was another one that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, okay. So anything else in the haunted mansion that I, will, I missed or anything I else? Say, I from a personal standpoint, walking through that attraction at night. I mean, after a few weeks, you get used to it. But when the first time you're in there at night, walking through to take care of the ride, it is so creepy. It's like, you know, because everything, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's already creepy enough, um, but in a fun way when you're on the ride. But when the ride's not moving, um, sometimes some of the special effects are still moving around. So you hear, to, to walk through the ride one time, when I first started there, the music wasn't playing, but all of the special effects were still going. So the, the um, animatronics were not moving around. It was safe to walk through, but there are like knocking sounds you hear on doors that are from real knockers that are, you know, um, that are times to knock every few minutes. Uh, there's, you know, fans that blow, blow cold air on you. When in the audio, they say you get, you know, a chilling freeze or um, spine tingling, chilling senses or something like that. All of those special effects were still going on. So as I walk through, it's like three o'clock in the morning. There's no one in there. It's like really dark, creepy. I just, I, I remember feeling very unsettling vibes like I was being watched. And all of these noises around me uh, for hours were like not making things easy on me. So I will just say it's, <laughs> it's very unsettling to be there at night, you know. You get, yeah, you I can imagine. Out, but yeah, it's, it's, it's creepy. It's, it definitely feels haunted. <laughs> Oh, I'll bet. And that's obviously, you know, I, I've, I've loved horror stuff and, you know, ghost stuff since I've been a kid. So the first, I remember the first time I went on that ride, I went to the Magic Kingdom, I think when I was around 12 years old for the first time. And I went on that ride. It was awesome. It was one of the, one of the highlights of my experience for sure. And there's a reason that that ride kind of has lasted as long as it had. And like you yeah. said, if it, if it's out of order when people come, it's a it's a big uproar because that's definitely one of those can't miss attractions that if you actually go to Disney, you want to make sure you're able to ride. Yeah. yeah. And I will say one more thing. The the thing that impressed me most about the attraction um was that when you're in the ballroom scene, well, if you picture the ballroom scene where all the ballroom dancers are dancing yep. and it's just ghosts everywhere, picture the length of that room left to right. It's a really, really long ballroom. And what's right behind that ride, I'm sorry, what's right behind that room is the hallway that you see earlier in the ride. At one point in the ride, you go by and you see this really long hallway of red wallpaper and the candle in the background. I was, I was say with the candle floating down the hallway, right? Yeah. I know the one you're talking about. I, yep. always, I always wondered if that hallway was really that long or if it was an optical illusion. Um, and I can I can confirm that it the the length of the hallway is the same length as the ballroom because it's right behind the ballroom so that hallway really is like really really long and really creepy and the, the uh 
the wallpaper is velvet. I can confirm that. It's like red velvet. It's super creepy. Like no one would ever know the, those details, but you know, why would they make the wallpaper velvet? What would be the point of that? But it just adds to that atmosphere. It's just super creepy. And make uh, it real. Yeah. Yeah. And, and additionally, the one thing that impressed me was the, uh, the graveyard at the very end of the ride. Um, again, I thought that maybe there were optical illusions to make it seem bigger than it is but it actually really is enormous. Like that, that graveyard goes, there's so many sets in one. Like if you were to look at one side of the graveyard, there are scrims here and there between sets to give it a kind of a hazy, foggy look. Um, and there's lots of black light usage for making the glows, the ghosts kind of glow. Uh, but that, that graveyard, if you've ever been in New England and you've walked through a cemetery or a graveyard, especially in Plymouth, you know what it's like to, pe- to kind of walk up and down hills and have these graves kind of um, to move around these graves. And in the Haunted Mansion, it's no trick. They literally built a huge room um, with expansive amount of gravestones and animatronics way in the back that you might not even see. And it just makes it that much more lifelike. So I really appreciated the effort that went into that, that one specific room for sure. The attention to detail is just insane and everything that they do. It's, it, it really is true. Like this, I feel like you go through that ride a million times and notice new things every time you go through. Yeah. Like on the left side of the ride, when you're in that room, if you look high up on the left, um, back behind some of the ghosts in the front, there's like a giant contraption built in the back with like four or five bicycles on this big spinning thing. And all these ghosts are on the bicycles and they're just going around. And most people don't even see that. But when you're walking through the ride, and you you come across this contraption, you're like, oh my god, they really like, <laughs> they really went all out. You know, the the special effects in the early '70s when they opened this ride, um, they maybe nowadays they look a little more, um, I don't know, what's the word, antiquated or regular or you know, sure. haunted house like. But so much effort went into that ride, and I think it still shows today. And next time you're on the ride, especially in that last room in the, in the cemetery there's so much to look at and that's what makes a Disney ride so great is every time I'm on that ride, I see a different detail and that room specifically, it's so good, you know, just so much to take in. So that's why I love it. Awesome. Yeah. So Matt, what's your, what's your personal favorite Disney attraction? Okay. So I have a bunch, but uh, <laughs> I, that, that's like my ongoing thing is I always say, this is my favorite ride, but I say it on so many rides. Is it right now or current or used to be or is going to come? Like, I mean, there's so many different phases of like rides yeah. you would say that you like. I would say at Animal Kingdom, I love um, the uh, Expedition Everest. I think that's a fantastic ride from start to finish. That ride is great. It's yeah. awesome. When you meet the Yeti at the end, even though he's, they've had issues with that animatronic and he's not what he used to be. Yeah, I would say it's uh, Disco Yeti now. Disco doesn't Yeti. even move anymore, right? there's a strobe light on him. He only lasted yep. for a little bit as an actual moving animatronic. And now he kind of like hangs, yeah. over, hangs over the track. And he has been since like that ride opened in 06. And uh, he's been not really moving around much since then. Uh, yeah. He's just, he's such an enormous figure. Um, but even though he's not moving the way they have the strobe lights on him and how gruesome and, cre- and creepy he looks, he's still, it's still a very effective uh, finale to that ride. You know, it's impressive for sure. And so correct me if I'm wrong. So the reason that it doesn't move anymore is that it generated such force when it lunged down when you were going by that it actually was causing structural damage to the ride. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's what I've heard as well. Yeah. So yeah, I know that there's been a few Imagineers on record that have said that they're going to try and they're going to try and fix this Yeti somehow. But because he was kind of 
it's such a large animatronic, it was kind of built into the structure of the ride when they were building it. They would have to do a complete almost, you know, they would have to shut it down for a while and read and redo the whole thing. So who knows, maybe someday it'll get fixed, but I digress. So uh, what else do you like besides Expedition Everest, Matt? Okay, so at studios, I'd have to go with the Tower of Terror, the uh, Hollywood Hotel. Uh, I love that ride. And I feel like on a podcast like this, it, it totally deserves a mention because... That's my personal favorite yeah. Disney ride. That's what I was going to say. And I have a few stories about that as well, but continue. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's a great attraction and mostly because of the storyline. I mean, it, you're supposed to be... The night you're there is October 31st, 1939. So it's Halloween night and you know, just the, the concept of these innocent hotel guests getting, you know, wrapped up in the twilight zone and never to return again, but in ghost form and, you know, the mixing of that storyline with the drop factor of the, of the attraction itself. Um, and even the queue when you're waiting in line and you're kind of entering the hotel after you've gone through the gardens, uh, you know, it is just from start to finish. And then you go in the boiler room before you get on the, ho- the, the elevator. There's so much to that ride that is worth talking about. And it's so creepy. And from start to finish, even when you exit the gift shop and you look in the windows, you can see pumpkins left and right. So you're like, damn, like from, from start to finish, they really stuck with this theme of old Hollywood sunset strip, you know, uh, just, it's awesome. It's such a good ride. It really is. It, and, it, you know, it, right up my alley again. And, and it's, I think, you know, kind of all the factors you just mentioned, that's why it's my personal favorite. In, the, in, the, in addition to the fact that it's just an awesome ride and the drop sequence is yeah. great. It's never the same. Everything changes. The theming is fantastic. And it's kind of one of those attractions where when you walk in the park, you can see it wherever you are and you just yeah. want to go on it. You can see it from other parks as well. Yeah. Um, I know that when they were building it, you can kind of, you can see it over the Moroccan pavilion in Epcot. So they actually uh, colored it so they would fit in with the design and architecture of the Moroccan pavilion in Epcot. Yep, definitely. But, yeah. With that kind of, uh, kind of peachy pastel color to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. but I, I, I love that ride. I love that ride. The real fear of everyday life, though, that that ride then translates to. So whenever you go into an elevator, after <laughs> going on that ride... You're like, oh my god, is it gonna is it gonna break? Like, if it stops, if there's some sort of electrical problem, you're like, oh my god, I'm gonna die. Like, oh my god, this whole thing is just gonna fall, and I'm gonna go down. I mean, well, you see it on the movies too. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like that fear that when it actually happens, when you like, they open the doors and you see out and you see the whole park, and then all of a sudden you just fall. It's like such a terrifying feeling. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Even after being going on it for so many times over the years. You know, it still has that impact. The story is so good. The ride is so good. It's just from start to finish, it's great. And the fun fact about Tower of Terror is it's 199 feet tall, as is the Expedition Everest. They're both the same height because if they were 200 feet, they would need a blinking red light on the top. Um, yeah, so for airplanes, right? Exactly. Yeah, this I heard about before too. And additionally, yeah. uh, they filmed a movie, The Tower of Terror, uh, with yeah. Kirsten Dunst and Steve yep. Gutenberg. Uh, <laughs> I think in 99, I think they filmed it 97, yeah. 98, 99. It's they probably filmed- on Disney Plus, I was going to say, Kat. Oh, we could probably watch it after this if we wanted to. And we? Yep. <laughs> they, filmed, they filmed it on site, too. A lot of the scenes in the gardens and the uh, the courtyard, you know, where, where you're waiting in line, were in the movie as well. So they filmed it on site. So I thought that was cool. 
That's awesome. See that? I didn't know. I didn't know if they actually filmed it on site, but that's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. So, um, Kat, what's your favorite Disney attraction? Ooh, uh, well, not like a scary one, right? Cause I always, no, like- just, just any of them. I mean, there's not too much scary. There aren't too many scary attractions at Disney in general. I'd say Tower of Terror is probably the scariest in terms of theming. Yeah. I yeah. mean, unless you want to go way back into, uh, 90s Disney back when Michael Eisner was running the show and he did uh, extraterrestrial alien encounter which uh, if that were still open that would probably probably yeah. be my favorite I was lucky enough to have gone when that was still open and that ride oh, really? was dope yes but Kat go ahead I didn't mean to cut you off why don't you come back to me circle back okay uh Matt so you said you had a few what else yeah. my favorite attraction at Epcot is the oh, it's a toss-up I really like the American Adventure attraction over in world showcase i think it's like you know it's it's some people think it's corny uh you know that but i I just love the the mechanics behind that that attraction i mean there's so many animatronics and it's it's shown like it's a stage show but if you go backstage there are all these different levels of hydraulics moving around into place to bring out benjamin franklin or um susan b anthony and, and the different figures uh, it's a really cool attraction, but my favorite in Epcot is um, Spaceship Earth. I just think Spaceship Earth is really cool because you literally pass up through, like you see that big silver ball, and a lot of people don't realize it's actually an enti- entire attraction inside the ball, uh, 180 feet high. You go all the way to the top and all the way back down, and it's it's just really amazing what they did with that. Was Alien Encounter in Europe? In, um, in Europe, in Epcot. <laughs> No, uh, no, it was in Magic Kingdom in Tomorrowland. Yeah, so going on that ride with my mom because that was how long ago was that? That was a long time ago, right? Uh, it was only open. I think it was open less than five years because it was just such a departure from the normal type of Disney family-friendly attraction, and the you know this was, was designed by George Lucas essentially just to scare the shit out of you, yeah. right? Which yeah. I remember I was. 11 or 12 when I went and I thought it was awesome I went on I went with my uncle Steven and my aunt Nancy and and my cousins Disney World they were down there my uncle was down there for business so they took me with them and I was lucky enough to be able to go on that ride and it was just crazy crazy intense for a Disney attraction and probably you'll never see anything like that again if I had to guess yeah I mean it's it's such a terrifying attraction they they even had a scene where um I think a, a in the story, a cast member is trying to shut things down or put the alien back inside. Yeah, yeah. You hear audio of this cast member basically trying to save the day and then get like eaten by the alien. It's like really disturbing because um, he like you literally <laughs> you're in Disney and you have this cast member get killed in front of you. You know, um, yeah. it's all very audio. You know what I mean? A lot of it was very sensory, but it was like super creepy and things touch your neck and you feel like slime on you or water. Yeah. yeah I, I remember that part actually. And there's there. So basically like there's supposed to be like a, uh, like a, uh, a maintenance guy, like up on the rafters above and they shine a light down. So yes. it looks like there's somebody yes. actually there. And then it cuts to like on the big screen. Uh, it's like his night vision camera and he yeah. turns a corner and you see the alien and it just shows them him like bite down. <laughs> and you feel like blood spray well, yes. on your face. That's, yes, that, yeah. That it. yeah, it was terrible. It was so gruesome. <laughs> I love that ride. But there's actually, so there's an awesome YouTube channel called Theme Park History. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and they basically just, they go through either, you know, attractions that are still around or older ones and kind of talk about how they were built and, you know, what, what the decision-making process was like behind that. And there's an, that they have an awesome video on alien encounter. I'll send it to you, but it's, it's worth checking out. And it kind of goes through all that. And it, there's not too, cause it's so old, there's not much footage of the ride. So if you try and YouTube it, you can't really see too much, but they actually have some in there, which when I was watching, I was like, oh, I wish this was still around for sure. Yeah. Um, but so since we just talked about Spaceship Earth and Tower of Terror, there, there have been a, a, not a ton of detail, but there were a few stories that I saw uh, online about those being haunted as well. Apparently in Spaceship Earth, people have seen uh, apparitions of a small blonde girl uh, on the ride after hours. Same thing with Tower of Terror. Uh, cast members are reported to have seen, you know, a ghostly figure walking around the attraction after hours usually walking the opposite way that he should be. And then when they try and talk to him, he doesn't respond and then just vanishes out of into wow. thin air. So a couple of additional creepy layers to those two attractions as well. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I have heard about tower terror with that figure. And I think that's, it's already so creepy in there. You can imagine like that happening to you, like seeing a, a, a ghostly figure and attraction like that, like, yeah, I, probably, I wouldn't be able to handle that. <laughs> yeah, me neither. It's just there's there's so much in there in terms of detail, and I'm I'm a huge Twilight Zone nerd as well, so I love all the Easter eggs in there, especially right at the very end before they open the elevators. You can get out, you can kind of see a lot of the like the props from some of the original Twilight Zone episodes back in the '50s and '60s. Yeah, do you remember? Do you just remember awesome the, stuff. What was the name of the dummy in one of those? Oh, uh, you know, like a little. I always remember Slappy from Goosebumps, which was derived from that, but I forget what the actual name of the uh, the dummy was in Twilight Zone. I have to look that up now. He is in that room you're talking about when that when the elevator comes back down to the yep. ground floor. He was one of the ones that I was thinking of that I definitely remember seeing. Creepily uh, sitting behind your elevator, just yep. eyeballing you. Yeah. <laughs> Kat, so did you have any any more luck thinking about favorite Disney attraction? Well, you know, I think I always liked the mountains. Space Mountain, Thunder Mountain, Splash Mountain. They're always like, because the lines are so long. And then once you get up there, like, it's, it doesn't disappoint. Like, even when you're waiting in line for, like, Splash Mountain, all the little, you go in little tunnels and stuff. And there's, like, other animatronics and whatever kind of on your way. So it's kind of part of the ride. It, like, becomes an extra element of it. Splash Mountain's dope. I love that ride. So much fun. Yeah, I love That's another one that has a billion animatronics. Space Mountain. Cool. So the mountains then. Yeah. yeah, I like the mountains. And I like figments. I've always liked figment. Yeah. Actually, speaking of figment, some guy came in with a gun in the early 90s and shot and killed another guy at figment, like at two in the morning. I, I read that at one point. Oh my God. Shit. I hadn't heard that one. That's crazy though. I, mean, I don't think you'd be able to get away with that nowadays, but. How was he at figment? Like. He, they were, they were both mechanics. And he came to work and he was angry and he shot and killed this guy. And you don't hear about that, but it happened. Figment. Yeah, at Figment. Not to ruin Figment for you, but. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. That's so sad. Because in, in addition You've to. You've ruined Kat's childhood now. Kind of. <laughs> in addition to all this spooky stuff we're talking about, ghosts and, and all that, Disney, I mean, think about it. Disney's basically a small city. You know, the size of Walt Disney World is the same size as Manhattan. No, or, is it or, really? Yep. It's it's actually twice the size of Manhattan or the same size as San Francisco as a city. Wow. So like any city, they have accidents, they have deaths, they have murders. 
And it, you know, it's the most magical place in the world. So they don't really talk about it, but every year somebody gets hurt and they, and they almost can't avoid it because you have so many people in those hotels, in the attractions. Um, You know, you have 70,000 cast members working there daily that behind the scenes um, there's a lot of accidents and deaths and murders and, and really crazy stuff that's happened. Um, That's it's, it's sad, but there are websites dedicated to accidents at Disney that, that go over the gruesome details of, um, you know, people getting hurt over the years or, or, you know, people getting arrested and, you know, ac- accidents on attractions or people that have heart attacks that had previous, uh, conditions that, you know, like there was one I was reading about where, uh, a boy who was like six years old died on mission space at Epcot. Um, cause it's like a centrifuge spinning attraction, but he had right. a heart, he had a heart murmur before the ride and the, and the ride has a sign that says, don't go on this ride if you have heart conditions. So Disney is always battling that over the years of, you know, people who, who get, get killed on their rides or uh, die off property. That's something I hear too, is nobody dies on Disney property. They're pronounced dead after they leave the property after they huh. leave the park. Yeah. I guess that would make sense for Disney to cover their ass. That makes sense. Gonna say, do they have to report these, or are they reported? Like, I mean, the only thing I've ever heard bad of Disney, any sort of like recently, was when the kid got eaten by the alligator at the. Yeah, that was a sad story. Very very sad. Yeah, and they do have to report them. Any any accident or incident, um, whether it's on the ride or in a show or um, even in the hotels, anything has to be reported. And Universal does the same thing. Yeah. Now, do you prefer Disney or Universal? I prefer, I like them both a lot, but I prefer Disney over Universal because I think, mm. I mean, Universal's got some really great rides, some amazing coasters, but I think Disney takes an extra step to the, uh, besides Harry Potter, Harry Potter's phenomenal on its own, Yeah. Uh, but Disney takes an extra step for the theming and, um, you know, it's a little more, I don't know, altogether put, put together very well that the theming's great and I love that I get to be a part of that. So I'm biased. <laughs> but I love Wait, Disney. have you been to the um, Star Wars land? I have, yeah. It was very cool. Oh, you show me pictures, I feel like. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and you could tell they're trying to stay up to date on bringing their guests in. The people that are going to Harry Potter are just blown away with that that theming and that environment. So Disney's trying to give people that with Star Wars. And they're definitely successful. It's really well done. Nice. Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen, I, I mean, I actually, so I watched on YouTube a couple of weeks ago, uh, like a, a, a point of view video of that new attraction just opened up the, uh, the main, not, not the millennium Falcon one. What's the name of it? Uh, uh, Rise, of the Rise of the Resistance. Oh my God. It just looks so unbelievably cool. Just, yeah. I, I, I would love to be able to go and ride that. So I don't know when we'll get down to Florida again, but uh, hopefully soon. And I can't wait to like, just thinking about all these attractions makes me just want to go ride them. Maybe, oh, maybe it will be all ready by Halloween. Yeah, there we go. Maybe, maybe. And obviously, so, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit offline, but we'd love to have you back for a second episode and talk about Universal, because I think I saw that you, uh, you've you done some work for Universal as well, not in like an official Universal employee capacity, yep. right? But as like a contractor, so you've been on on-prem with that place too? Yep, yep. To some extent, yeah, I've done some work for them, so I could talk about Universal as well. Yeah. I love to talk Halloween Horror Nights with you, which is one of my favorite subjects to talk about. So we can we can definitely tackle that in a later episode. But um, 
So while we still, a couple of other small things left on Disney, we kind of talked about a lot of the stuff that I had more details on. Uh, last one I kind of wanted to bring up with you was Disney River Country. Yes. Have you heard of this? Do you know about this? Yes, I do. Yep. All right. So Kat, so Disney River Country was a water park that opened on Disney property in Florida in 1976. It closed in 2001 and it still sits there abandoned to this day. Uh, if you Google it and I'll include some uh, photos in the show notes as well as Otis continues to scream bloody murder in the background. Uh, it's just creepy to see an abandoned park like this uh, with everything's overgrown. And yeah, it's just pretty cool to see the pictures. Uh, but allegedly there's been some hauntings there. There have been a lot of urban explorers that you can find YouTube videos of them sneaking in and videotaping everything. And actually Disney's taken some serious legal action against these people for sneaking on there and doing that. Yeah. Uh, you know, banning them for life from all the parks uh, seeking legal action, that type of thing. Cause obviously it, you know, hasn't been upkept. It's dangerous to go in there, but seeing the photos, it's pretty cool to see something kind of abandoned and overgrown like that. And allegedly from what some of these urban explorers have said, if you go in there, you can actually still hear music being played through the loudspeakers and just an overall very creepy vibe. So I'd be interested to hear, uh, from a Disney employee perspective, what you know about Disney river country. And if you've heard any stories like that, Wait, how long was it open for? 76 to 01. Yeah, 25 years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I know a lot about that park because I would go to um, Port Wilderness every year in the campgrounds, and it was right next door. Uh, so I, I did go a couple times as a kid. It was a lot of fun. It was. So that's, I, I was actually, I don't mean to cut you off, but I was, I was wondering where it was, like on the Disney property as a whole, that it's still left like that abandoned. Yeah, basically you have the, the big hotels over by Magic Kingdom are the Grand Floridian, the Polynesian, the Contemporary, and then around the corner on Bay Lake, which you mentioned earlier, is uh, the Wilderness Lodge, and that's, that's a big hotel as well, and then next to that is Fort Wilderness, which is the campground, but between Fort Wilderness and Wilderness Lodge is an expanse of land that includes the River Country Water Park, and I hear it closed in 2001 for a couple different reasons, uh, partially because of 9-11 and the economy and, um, you know, things, things shut down that never reopened. You know, there's attractions throughout the parks that never recovered after 9-11 because of budget cuts. And yeah, um, I know that was a tough time for the travel industry as a whole and especially Disney, which is one of the most traveled to places on earth. Yep. So that, that was one of the reasons it was shut down and never reopened. And, uh, another reason was, the water park actually had the water fed into the park from the lake that it was on, which is really kind of an antiquated idea. They really wanted to make it feel like it was a Tom Sawyer watering hole right on the edge of a lake. Um, but unfortunately that might include like bacteria and yeah. you know, whatever's in that lake could get into the pool or into the slides. And there was like brain eating amoeba, amoeba and things like that, that people were worried about. That Yikes. Were were in other parts of central Florida that were not necessarily in the water park, but that was another thing that kind of um, sank that ship for river country. That, yeah. I can, I can see why they might've closed that down. You don't want brain eating bacteria sneaking into your, uh, in through your ear in a water slide <laughs> on your family vacation. Yeah. Why is the water lime green today? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they might've had filtration and things like that, but it's still, people still are like, you oh, know, yeah. uneasy about uh what's you know what they're swimming in 
Um, but I, I will definitely say a few things about that park. It is, it has been there since 2001, just sitting there, just rotting away. And um, in a bizarre move, Disney never really put a wall in front of it or tore it down or repurposed it. They just let it sit there. So for the last few decades, um, every day, these boats go back and forth between the campground and Magic Kingdom, bringing guests to the park. And as you go by, you see all these like old rocks and vines and, you know, rotten wood and, you know, uh, all the grass has grown up where the water used to be. And it's crazy that it's there in plain sight. So you you can still see it then. If you're a guest at Disney World, if you're taking like a water taxi, you can see it. You don't go right up to it, but you go by it. It's, you know, it's several yards away, but it's, it's right there. And you can be like, wow, what's all those random rocks there? You know, it's very random. That's crazy. See, I would think for sure, especially with the attention to detail at Disney pays that they would definitely have taken some sort of measure to, to block that off or make it, you know, kind of invisible from the public. Yeah. But I have never sneaked, snuck in there myself, but I have had friends that have gone in there and, they have mentioned that audio or music still plays on some of the speakers. That's true. Uh, and they have mentioned that it's very unsettling, um, that some of walking around this, you know, abandoned water park involves, you know, stepping on boardwalks that are rotten. So it's actually dangerous too, to, to try to make your way around it. Um, but there, there are urban explorers in the Orlando area that love to explore areas like that because they're, they're notorious and they're, um, fascinating, you know, just to be shut down one day to never reopen, you know, it's, it's amazing. You know, that, that part of like Disney's secret history where they don't really want you to know about it, but it's in plain sight. So of course people are going to try to sneak in. Yeah. That's bizarre. Yep. There's actually a creepypasta online. That's pretty famous. It's called abandoned by Disney. Yeah. Uh, which is about, and obviously those are all, you know, made up stories, but it sounds like this one was definitely based on this park because it's about a, uh, like a fake jungle book themed resort that Disney built, built up in North Carolina. that's left abandoned. And the story is told from the point of view of this urban explorer who goes in there and he just encounters all kinds of creepy shit, uh, which I, I read. And there's there's actually this podcast out there that do readings of creepy pastas. So it's an interesting listen. It's definitely a very scary story uh, and a pretty cool one to 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 check out. So have you ever you ever heard of that one before? No, I haven't heard of that. Yeah, uh, look it up. Look it up after the fact. It's good. Have you heard of um, Discovery Island? Discovery Island. I don't think I have. So before Animal Kingdom opened in 98, there was, a, there was a place to go to check out animals and birds and exotic creatures and walk around and kind of have that zoo-like experience. Um, and Discovery Island opened in the early 70s with Magic Kingdom, with um, the Contemporary Resort and Fort Wilderness and Polynesian, all that kind of opened together. And Discovery Island, basically, you you take a boat to the island. It's literally right next to River Country. So when you're on your boat nowadays and you see that abandoned River Country to your left, if you look to your right, there's the abandoned Discovery Island. So there's literally two abandoned attractions on both sides of you just rotting away. Uh, but Discovery Island, you, wow. would take, you take a boat there um, and they had, you know, some mammals you could see. They had lots of birds. They had flamingos. Um, they had some iguanas and, and different things you could look at. And it was lots of boardwalks through the jungle with cypress trees all around you. And um, it, was, it was like a small zoo. And they closed it down in, I think, 2001 or 2000. It was around 9-11. So it closed down as well. And Animal Kingdom was open. 
right? So they, there wasn't really a need for this island anymore. A lot of those animals were moved to Animal Kingdom. And the, the island basically just closed and was abandoned. And people, these urban explorers in Orlando, have also crept onto that island by swimming across the waterways, which is super dangerous because of alligators and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in, in the middle of the night, swimming across the water, um, somehow surviving that, and then making it onto this island. And then, you know, wow. the, the island has been taking o- taken over by nature. So it's like all of these uh, pictures that people post online are pretty fascinating. Like someone took a picture inside one of the break rooms and it was literally just left abandoned. Like, it's like they closed the door and they just left it there, you know, but like weasels and like uh, uh, different types of animals have moved in and built nests, but you see like a water cooler and like some pictures of cast members. And then like, there's just a nest of like marsupials down below with, but they take a flash picture. So they were like these babies, like all like, you know, shiny eyes. Yeah. 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 So just really creepy stuff like that because they, they essentially abandoned the Island. They took the dock down and they just let it sit there. So now a lot of those buildings are still there and it's just fascinating to think that Disney has not torn it down and that there's, you know, there's still life on the Island in some way. Yeah. It's bizarre. So, I mean, they just have so much property down there that they can pretty much, you know, they can, they, they can expand as much as they want yeah. for the next many decades. There's just a ton of land and it's just, they're able to let something like that just sit there, which is yeah. crazy. And they have, they just bought lands two or three days ago. They bought like 27 acres for something. So they're, I they, saw that. Yeah. I saw that. Disney's always buying more land. And like I said, they're the size of San Francisco and only I think 30 or 40% is built on. So they have so many opportunities to build more and maybe they don't really have to worry about river country or discovery island because they can just kind of pretend like it never happened you know yeah yeah crazy crazy stuff yeah um all right so I, I, that's kind of all i had in terms of notes and stories that i had seen uh i know we've been going for a little while here about disney world i mean is there anything else matt that you know of that you wanted to mention anything that i missed anything that you want to add Hmm. I would say, I think I touched upon everything I wanted to. I think the, the idea of Disney being this happy, magical place where nothing, nothing bad happens is, is really interesting because I just think it's fascinating that the internet has provided us with an opportunity to see pictures and videos of long lost attractions and stories about people dying or murder or ghosts, you know? So I think, Disney's worst enemy has been the internet because it brings everybody together to talk about this one topic and all these uh, urban legends and whatnot uh, over the years get collected on these websites. And I just think that I love it. I love Disney history. I'm a big Disney nerd. So I just think it's great that there's other people out there that are into it as much as I am. Yeah. Oh, for sure. There's so many people out there. So when you, you know, like you mentioned with the internet, there's a forum for essentially everybody to post their stories, their experiences. So you, you, you see more and more of this kind of stuff coming out, which was, you know, I, I thought one of the most interesting, one of the most interesting paradoxes that it, like you said, it is the happiest place on earth, but there's just, you know, a bunch of dark history as well, which I thought was an interesting point to look at it from. Yep. And it's, it's interesting to see that, um, there's so much fascination behind that, you know, and um, I am curious if Universal has as much, you know, I, I haven't really dug into Universal's, Universal's past as far as uh, hauntings or murder or um, accidents, but I'm sure 
I'm sure there's stuff like that. And we haven't even talked about Disneyland or the other parks in the other countries, you know, that, so I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was saying there was a lot that I saw. There was actually maybe even more for Disneyland that I saw some interesting stuff, but uh, obviously with your experience in Orlando at Disney world, I thought, you know, we could just talk about that, but um, one, one kind of conspiracy theory that I did come across in my research. And this obviously is, is directly tied to Disneyland. Uh, Lots of rumors have come up over the years about Walt Disney himself and, you know, some of the things that he was into when he was building the parks and building his empire, if you will. And one of the things that I'd be interested to to hear if you've heard anything about this, Matt, is that, so for conspiracy theories for Disney, I obviously had the one about the ashes being spread throughout the attractions, which we know you you've confirmed is true. And we've, you know, seen news articles. That's true. Another one that I saw that I found kind of interesting was about club 33 in Disneyland. And that, uh, Walt Disney used to hold Freemason or Illuminati meetings from Club 33 in Disneyland. Ever heard anything like that before? Yeah, I definitely have heard that. And I think that's awesome. (laughs) That's crazy. Talk about just a wild, wild story. But I mean, you know, depending on who you talk to or what you read online, anyone that's made money or has been in power is in the Illuminati or the Freemasons or in some sort of plot to take over the world. So why is it so inconspicuous that Walt Disney might've been a part of that? You never know. They, they built a club 33 in all four parks over the last two years. So really, yeah, each of the four parks has a club 33 now hidden somewhere in the park with the very rich and wealthy, uh, you know, visiting every day and, you know, like over in Adventureland, there's a secret upstairs lounge. That's their Club 33. And it, you know, you can step out on the balcony and watch the fireworks show with your other rich friends. Uh, so I don't know, maybe they're spreading the, the Illuminati message. I don't know. <laughs> it's possible. Interesting. Definitely possible. Uh, the other one that I heard about Disneyland, like kind of one of the more famous ones was that uh, obviously Walt Disney had an apartment built for him in New Orleans Square, I believe, at the Disneyland Park that was kind of for him to be able to kind of come and go and hang out at the park as he, uh, as he you know, uh, came and went. And there was enough room for his family there. And I know they leave a light on in memory of Walt Disney in that window all the time. But that apartment is supposedly haunted by the ghost of Walt Disney. I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, I've, I've heard about that, them keeping that light lit at all times for him. Uh, and I know he died in 1967, so he never got to see Disney World. You know, he he walked around there when they were planning it, um, but uh, I know at Disneyland, he had quite a presence, so I wouldn't be surprised if he if he still was there in some form, you know? Yeah. Crazy to think that he died before Disney World was even completed, so it'd be It'd be interesting to hear what he thought of Disney World, you know, having never seen it finished. I know that was just kind of in its beginning phases when he died. Right, right. And his brother kind of took over the business operations for that. And there was even some question questioning as to whether or not they wanted to continue with the project without his guidance. And obviously they did and kind of the rest is history. Pretty, yeah. pretty glad they did go through with it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. And of course, there's the rumor that Disney's head is frozen somewhere. That's a whole nother thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see that from time to time, too. You never know what's real or what's not. His head is frozen somewhere? Where would it yeah. be frozen? It's in, the, it's in the Disney vault. <laughs> in the Disney vault. Cat, <laughs> <laughs> anything else from Matt on uh, anything related to Disney World, Haunted Disney? Anything at no, all you can think of? 
I've enjoyed just like listening to all these stories. I think they're so cool. Yeah, like, me too. This is fascinating. Yeah. I can't thank you enough for coming on, Matt. Really appreciate it. Of course. No, I was happy to be here. And anytime you guys want to talk Disney nerd, nerd trivia, whether it's spooky or not, count me in. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> anything you want to plug, Matt? Social media platforms, anything you got going on before we uh, let you go? Um, let me think. I don't think I have anything. No, no, nothing, nothing to push forward myself. But uh, I, if you are into pop music, I am into this new. Uh, it's an it's a podcast called Unflopped. It's about U N F L O P P E D, and it's okay. ba- basically these three guys from the UK um, are huge pop fans, and they they both bring out a song that they thought should have been a hit that was a massive flop, and then the third guy. They both put up their arguments. They're, the third guy mentions um, he's a trained in music and composition, so he's like the music genius, and then he's the deciding factor on which song will be unflopped and added to the Spotify playlist. So, oh, that's nice. awesome. it's it's a really cool playlist uh, podcast because it, it you know I love I love pop history. I love I love seeing music successes as much as I like seeing music failures. Oh yeah. Uh, so make sure you check out Unflopped. I, I love that, that show. Sounds fun. Yeah, I will definitely check that out. I look forward to your best and worst songs of the year every single January. What's the oh best? yeah, that's that's definitely one of my one of my favorite social media posts of the year because I think generally we kind of agree on some of the worst ones, and, and, or at least Ed, the last couple of years we have. I just feel like every year Ed Sheeran outdoes himself. He just <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to agree with you there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so so safe to say uh, we'll have you back uh, at some time in the future, Matt, talk some Halloween Horror Nights, some Universal stuff maybe? Definitely, count me in. Excellent. Well, uh, again, we really appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much for taking the time. I thought this has been a really interesting listen. Like Kat said, I just I love hearing these stories, especially from someone who's been on site and seen it all. So it's a pretty cool perspective, and I'm very happy that we did have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, of course. So uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of America's Hometown Horror. Uh, my name is Mike. Cat is my co-host. We have Matt here with us. Here's where you can find us on the following social media platforms on Facebook at America's Hometown Horror Podcast, on Twitter at Hometown Horror, on Instagram at Hometown Horror Pod. You can also email us with show ideas, statements of outrage, uh, donations, really anything you want at hometownhorrorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to us on the following podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and uh, stay safe out there. Wash your hands, and we will talk to you guys next week. Say bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening, and if you're looking for other podcasts to listen to, you can check out the other podcasts on the Need Your Art Podcast Network. We have Retro Redoctopus, we have America's Hometown Horror, Bar Talk, Old Colony Cast, and of course, Need Your Art. So you can check those out wherever podcasts are found. Like, comment, and subscribe so we can reach more listeners, and thanks for listening.